It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. The Civil War. The bloodiest of all American conflicts, its death toll of 620,000, higher than any other single U.S. war. Four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth upon this continent a new nation conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. What men did during those years is well documented, but what about women? Hi, I'm Jerry Willis, the host of the Fearless and Proud podcast, where we uncover the undercover female spies of the era, reveal women who fought in men's uniforms, and share the stories of women who commandeered the care of soldiers as nurses and hospital matrons, jobs they would have been barred from before the war. These soldiers, spies, and battlefield nurses threw off the constraints of Victorian ideas about how women should behave and changed America forever. During the war, women turned to these words for strength. We fear not thy cannon, we heed not thy drum. The deeper thy thunder, the stronger we come. To understand what a sea change was going on for American women in both the North and the South between the years 1861 to 1865, we spoke with Catherine Clinton, Denman Professor of American History at the University of Texas at San Antonio. She says women seized the opportunity to make a difference during those tragic years. The lives of Southern women during the Civil War were fraught with tension and drama. Naturally, when your life is disrupted by military mobilization, the threat of invasion, which the South was under throughout most of the war, it created incredible havoc. Of course, white women, many who had been in advisory roles on plantations, had to take over while their husbands went off and served in the Confederate Army. And that meant that although they might be used to the roles they were fulfilling, it was still highly frightening for them to imagine their husbands might never come home. The enslaved women left behind on plantations were naturally alarmed because the slave grapevine let them know that Massa Lincoln, as he was often referred to, was there trying to launch a war against slavery. And so you had columns within the South that were disrupted and transforming, as well as fears of loss of life. And of course, disease is always rampant during wartime. And that was something that women um, as medical caretakers had to deal with. Let's talk a little bit about the unexpected roles that women played in the war. You mentioned one, they would have to take over the plantation. They would have to run the plantation. Uh, That was certainly one. But they did other things as well that you might not have expected of women in that time. What were those unexpected roles? Well, we do find, for example, in the few industrial cities, particularly Richmond, that poor women with men away often had to turn to their own resources. So there were young immigrant women, for example, were drafted into munitions factories. And therefore, you had women working in munitions. This is something that we talk about Rosie the Riveter in uh, World War II, and we need to think about the Civil War period. I have written extensively as well 
by about what I call the impermissible patriots. And that is those women who were so devoted to the cause, particularly the Confederate cause in the South, that these white women went out and some disguised themselves to join the army. Others worked as spies and scouts behind enemy lines. Some even went uh, sabotaging telegraph lines. So we have a wide range of independent Southern white women taking on roles that do not fit the ladylike model of Southern women during this period. The rules women lived by were far, far different from today. American culture was still dominated by trends set in Victorian England, where women ruled home life, but not much else. Professor Shelby Harrell Heidelbaum, author of Behind the Rifle, Women Soldiers in Civil War Mississippi. The Victorian mindset itself lended to their ability to kind of blend in because the Victorian society was very strictly defined. There were things that men did and women did, and those lines were not crossed. Men were expected to go out into the world. Women were supposed to remain in the domestic sphere. And, you know, again, you did not cross those those very strict boundary lines. And so, and you heard this, or you read about it with, with varying accounts that men would say nobody thought a woman would try to sneak into the military. So it was like um, men didn't suspect them because they didn't right. expect them, right? Exactly, exactly. And uh, one woman, I talk about her in my book. Uh, I laughed when I when I read the account that when she was discovered, she said, "Well, nobody said we couldn't fight, <laughs> so, <laughs> so why not?" Was nothing in the military code specifically dealing with women. It was just socially unacceptable for them to do that. It was socially unacceptable for them to even wear pants. <laughs> During the war, that domestic role morphed most naturally into women becoming nurses and even running huge hospitals, jobs they wouldn't even been considered for before the war. Dee Dee Blanton of the National Archives. Well, it was a different time. And and culturally, the culturally, at least among the middle and upper classes, they had this whole notion of separate spheres of influence. And that women were, women's sphere of influence was in the home. That women made their mark on the world by being good wives and, and better mothers and raising the next generation. And that men's sphere of influence was the public sphere. And so men were the movers, the shakers. Uh, and, and that's kind of the picture we have of Victorian women and and so your your well educated your your middle and upper class women they contributed to the war effort by supply they like the sanitary fairs is what they were called women would throw these huge fairs and they would raise money to send clothing and socks and good food to the soldiers and that was all considered very appropriate for women to do. And women entered uh, the war effort as nurses because that's what women did is is in the mid-19th century. Most medicine was, was dealt with at home. It was rare for people to actually see a doctor. So the women of the family were the caregivers. They were the nurses. They were the doctors. They were the ones who learned herbal medicine from their grandmothers. And it was actually 
controversial when women left the home to actually nurse in army hospitals because that was viewed as women going public. It turns out that the army absolutely had to accept women nurses and nursing became a woman's profession because of the Civil War. This is Dr. Melissa DeVelvis, Assistant Professor of History at Augusta University in Augusta, Georgia. It's one of the reasons why women in the hospital were so important, because they worked to make the hospital seem more like a home, because hospitals were clinical, we weren't used to going there, we were so much more connected to death in this time period. Um, before embalming, it was the job of um, women in the family, and maybe if they had the money, um, they would hire someone or an enslaved person would kind of do some of the funeral preparations. But there's a reason why we have a parlor and a wake. People would come to the parlor during the wake and look at the body in your house. Um, so, so yes, it was really, really hard for them. We do have record of often women have time because uh, the U.S. Sanitary Commission is writing letters. They do have time to sometimes be with their loved ones before they die and kind of sit at their bedside. Um, but, but other than that, this really causes a kind of religious moment of doubt among these families because they had this idea that this was a benevolent God. Uh, both the Union and the Confederacy thought that what they were doing was righteous and that God was on their side. And so the Confederacy increasingly is like, well, are we being punished by God? Because we're increasingly losing. And so you see religion shift kind of backwards a little bit because, you know, we used to have fire and brimstone, sinners in the hands of an angry God. Now they realize that maybe instead of their, their benevolent God, this might be the God of Job who is, you know, extracting his fury as these families uh, realize that this death is going to continue. But the army didn't have to accept women as soldiers. Still, that didn't matter to hundreds, possibly thousands of women who put on men's uniforms and joined up. Some did so to earn higher pay or simply to accompany their husbands in service. Some were escaping an abusive home life, but others were true patriots. Archivist Blanton. The women who went to war because they really, really believed in the cause that they were fighting for. Of course, they spoke pretty much the same way that that the men did. You know that they were that they were going to to throw the Yankee invaders out of their home, or that they were going to save the Union. And what's always struck me about the women who were so fervently patriotic. They were patriotic for a country that would not allow them to vote. They lived in a time where their public participation was not wanted, not viewed very kindly, and yet they so loved their country, even though one could argue their country didn't really love them, that they were willing to die for what they believed in. And... I think that as veterans, you know, these women really do deserve our remembrance and and our respect because they were veterans. Some of them did die for their country. And it would be 
a really long time before women were actually allowed to do this legally. You know, it's been very, very recently that women are allowed in combat, and yet women were in combat during the Civil War. Back then, passing as a man just wasn't that tough. Dr. Luis Stanella Borrego, adjunct professor at Miami-Dade College, author of The Risen Phoenix. How unusual was it for women to pose as men and become soldiers? And how did they hide their identities? Well, it's, it's, not, it's not as unusual as we think. Um, it really depends who you ask. Some people will say, well, maybe as many as a couple of hundred um, were able to do this in the Civil War. That's probably a conservative estimate because those are the people whom we might have some records for, either spying or serving as soldiers. Um, but the, the interesting thing about it is how difficult it was. We have a lot of instances where people are aware that there are women fighting in the ranks of both the Confederate Army and the Union Army. But we're also aware that one of the ways that they're able to kind of get away with it is the ages of the soldiers. A lot of the people who are enlisting are young, young men. So we're talking about people, I mean, in theory, it should be 18, you're getting 16 year olds. It wouldn't strike anybody as crazy to have a young man with a slightly higher pitched voice, simply because a lot of the people serving in the Civil War armies, a not insignificant amount, are young men. So already on that front, it isn't as difficult as it sounds. That being said, getting into the army and actually successfully masquerading is something completely different. Well, let me uh, are, ask a question yeah. on that score, sure. uh, which is, I guess they weren't doing physicals like they do today, right? I mean, you weren't going to be no. found out at the get-go. No, um, no. Right? Tell me about that. In, in The sense we're getting is that the physicals they're doing are these cursory investigations, like, are you sick? Um, do you look tall enough? Nobody is actually going and doing a full-on physical where most of the clothing is going to have to be off. So that that is not happening. I mean, and in certain parts of the war, especially when you're having a draft, you're trying to get as many soldiers in to fighting as quickly as possible. You're not going to quibble if somebody looks a little skinnier, if somebody has a little bit of a limp. Nobody's going to do an in-depth investigation that would unmask a potential um, a woman in uh, in man's clothing. So no, they're not they're not doing those types of in-depth physicals of the kind we would consider today. Getting details on these ladies isn't easy. I asked Professor Shelby Harrell Heidelbaugh why we know so little about these women. Well, there weren't any records, large part, because these women didn't want there to be any records. They did not want to be found. They were discovered. They were shamed. They brought shame upon their families because their stories would go out all across the country in newspapers. And so they did not want their stories to be told. And so we have to rely on others to, to tell their stories for us, like uh, uh, male soldiers who encountered them who wrote letters home, uh, newspaper writers, um, government documents, and so forth. Of course, a lot of these women were illiterate, so they weren't capable of documenting their own their own stories. So um, I've 
uncovered approximately five sets of letters written by women soldiers. Um, only two biographies have been written, autobiographies, memoirs, and so, and they have proven to be somewhat fictionalized, romanticized, um, and cannot be completely relied upon. So, and and it's not unlike tracing, you know, your your own male ancestors account in some cases especially um here in the south dealing with illiteracy um which you know that was a problem of course throughout the country even though um soldiers in particular were were more literate than they had been previously uh, during the civil war but the male soldiers were unable to 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 write their own accounts and so when we when we research our own male relatives, we ha we still have to rely on other sources. And, and again, we have to remember the impropriety involved. So there may have been cases where a male soldier encountered a woman soldier in some way and just chose not to write about her because she wasn't supposed to be there. She wasn't supposed to be doing that. So there may be more accounts out there that went undocumented. <laughs> course, exposing their identities could lead to arrest and worse. The same goes for women spies. What would happen to you if you donned a uniform as a woman? Do you go to and you get found out? Do you go to jail? I mean, do they just send you home? Is there a fine? What happened? All three actually um, are documented. Um, for the most part, they were just discharged. It was it was embarrassing to officers whenever women were discovered in their units. Um, not only was it embarrassing, it was it was uh, a bit dangerous, I suppose, for the officers because there are um, and uh, there are accounts of officers being court-martialed when women were discovered in their their regiment. So, um, and again, the embarrassment that a woman had fooled the officer. In some cases, they were just turned out very quietly, just, you know, go home. In some cases, they were sent to prison because military officials didn't know how to deal with them. You know, why are these women doing this? Why are they here? Why did they leave the domestic sphere? Why did they leave home to enlist and fight in a man's war? Why did they do there, there must be some nefarious reasons. They were assumed to be prostitutes or spies in some cases. And so the military they always just, go to the prostitution route. Don't course, they? I mean, course. women who are misbehaving must be hookers. It's hard to think about the Civil War without focusing on the tragedy of the conflict, but it also shined a spotlight on women who rose to the task and became indispensable fighting for their cause and making the country what it is today. We hope you enjoyed our inaugural installment of The Fearless and Proud. In the next episode, we look into how women served as soldiers, how they hid their identities, and we'll introduce you to a few of these brave women who fought on the battlefield. Listen ad-free on Fox News Podcasts via Apple Podcasts, and Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on Amazon Music. Cudlow on Fox Business is now on the go for podcast fans. Get key interviews with the biggest business newsmakers of the day. The Cudlow Podcast will be available on the go after the show every weekday at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts.